1: Away we go, episode 687 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, October 27th, 2023. His name is Eugene Shen. He has been hired as the commander's senior vice president of football strategy. He, per a press release from the team on Thursday afternoon, quote, will oversee all analytics and software development for the football operation, end quote. There is a lot going on with the Commanders right now. We have the team being just 1-4 and four, since its 2-0 and oh start to this regular season. We have the NFL trade deadline this Tuesday, October 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern. But the most significant development with the team this month may well prove to be the hiring of this guy, Eugene Shen. This is the start. This is the launch of managing partner Josh Harris, bringing his vision to Commander's Football Operations. Much more on the hiring of our guy Eugene (laughs) next segment. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, the only Washington, D.C. area sports podcast or show for which there is a new episode every weekday, Monday through Friday, with each episode out oh so early each weekday morning. This is the podcast that wakes up with you. This is the podcast that follows DC area sports so that you don't have to. This is a podcast on which I talk commanders on every show, regardless of the time of year. Coming up on this show, in-depth preview of the three and four commanders versus the six and one Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon at one in week eight of the 2023 NFL regular season. I will talk commander's offense, including an apparent sign of major change for the commander's offensive line. Is Nick Gates being benched as the starting center in favor of Tyler Larson? Uh, and I will discuss a very different pre-practice press conference for assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy early Thursday afternoon. Eric was very short, with his answers wasn't abrasive or anything like that but he was different off the woeful performance of his offense in the 14-7 loss at the New York Giants this past Sunday afternoon Uh, I then will talk commander's defense including what seems like a likely absence for linebacker Cody Barton for this game against the Eagles due to an ankle injury and I'll get into key comments from defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio in his pre-practice press conference on Thursday Jack talked about the Eagles' offense, including the tush-push, or as Jack called it, the push-tush. <laughs> uh, Jack also addressed corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr., and Jack talked about sort of the possibility of of some of his key players being traded prior to that NFL trade deadline this Tuesday. Uh, I have a guest for you to talk Eagles, Jeffrey Knox, the editor of InsideTheEagles.com. I will present to you rhyming keys, my keys to a commander's victory in rhyming fashion, and I will give you my prediction for the game. And also on the show, college football. Uh, My thoughts on a dominant win for Virginia Tech on Thursday night. How about the Hokies? Uh, They smashed Syracuse 38-10. At Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia, uh, a winning selection on Goldilocks. Thank you very much. But tech now three and one in the ACC. And I have three more Goldilocks for you. Previews and picks for Maryland at Northwestern, Saturday at noon. Number twenty five, James Madison, home to Old Dominion, Saturday night at eight, and Virginia at Miami, Saturday afternoon at three thirty. You can hit me up on X at Goldie. You can email me, the Goldie Podcast at Yahoo.com. I- I've gotten a lot of emails regarding Commander's quarterback, Sam Howell. Uh, Let us go through some of them right now. Email from Jeff on the Commander's final offensive snap of the loss at the Giants. Fourth and five for the Commander's at the Giants. Seven receiver, Jahan Dotson failing to make the catch on an off-schedule shotgun throw by Sam that, yes, was behind Jahan, but still could have been caught. And the reception would have been for at least a first down. Sam on the play spun away from linebacker slash safety Isaiah Simmons, number 19, who came in unblocked, writes Jeff, who in his email includes photos from various points of the play. This was quite the email. Thanks, as always, for your podcast. I think all of us agree that Sam Howell's progress is not coming nearly as fast as we had hoped. I'm no quarterback's coach or offensive coordinator, but in carefully watching the final offensive play of the Giants game for the Commanders, I think it is indicative of where Sam, the coaches, and the team are. Thus, I want to make a few observations. Number one, before the snap, Charles Leno Jr. points to the Giants' number 19 as if to say he is not going to be blocked. I would think that there would be an audible for such a situation to move a blocker into position. Antonio Gibson was to the other side of Sam Howell and would have been able to pick up that free rusher if Gibson had been moved, allowing Sam to To make a better time throw. Number two, had Sam had a half second more time, he probably could have easily hit Terry McLaurin over the middle as he had a lot of space on the slant. Number three, on Sam's run for your life rollout, (laughs) why did he lock in on Jahan Dodson, who at best could have only picked up a first down? And looking at photo three, you can see both Logan Thomas wide open in the end zone and Curtis Samuel well in front of his defender. Should have been an easy six. I am sure this job is much harder than it looks, but it seems that basic football adjustments are just taking way too long and are killing our season. Thank you for the email, Jeff. All great observations. Uh, That is a pass that Jahan Dodson should have caught, but it is fair to say that Sam Howell should have gone elsewhere with the throw. Uh, Now, of course, as he's running for his life from Isaiah Simmons, uh, seeing the entire field clearly probably was difficult, but a great call by Jeff on that Charles Leno nugget, uh, him pointing to Isaiah Simmons prior to the snap. Leno Did, in fact, do that. Uh, Email from Kim writes, Kim, like a lot of fans, I am frustrated with Sam and the team. I honestly think we are trying to place a round peg into a square hole with Howell. Even if we had a stellar offensive line, he waits too long and just doesn't see the pressure coming. That is a talent, a football sense that he does not have, not in college and not now in the NFL. I also am going to bet that the team is not going to trade anyone nor trade for anyone. My gosh, the team had its chances this past offseason to deal with the offensive line, and the team threw tokens at the line. Ron Rivera and company should be sued for incompetence. (laughs) Thank you for the email, Kim. Uh, Much more on the Commander's Offensive Line Coming up, email from Commander Tim writes, Commander Tim, is anyone talking about this subconscious ball pump throwing motion that Sam Howell has? I haven't heard anyone bring this up, but It is awful. It is part of what is making him late on throws and not throwing receivers open and hitting them in stride. But worst of all was last Sunday. I think in the second quarter on yet another one of the sacks, he had a defender coming straight at him and had more than enough time to throw. But you can see him go into the pump thing and he just got swallowed. Why isn't the team working to break this habit? This seems obvious and it can't continue. It's like a bad safety blanket habit. He will never get to the next level if he can't fix this. I can't freaking stand it Would I see him do this. And then the ball goes to a receiver who's just standing at the end of his route and the ball should have been there one to two seconds earlier. Thank you for the email. Commander Tim. I hear you, Commander Tim. Uh, yeah, I believe that the sack that Commander Tim was talking about was, in fact, the first sack of Sam Howell in the loss at the Giants. Sam took a sack on the Commander's second offensive snap of the game. The Commander's first offensive drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. The second snap of the drive, second and nine for the Commander's At their 32, Sam took a sack that was split by interior defensive lineman Dexter Lawrence and linebacker Micah McFadden for an eight-yard loss. And Sam, right before getting sacked, did what Tim was talking about, the subconscious ball pump throwing motion. It's not even a pump fake. It's like the start of a throwing motion that doesn't come close to being completed. You know, someone who rarely, if ever, comes up in all of this sack problem talk is the commander's quarterback's coach, Tavita Pritchard. Uh, This is his first season as an NFL coach. Tavita Pritchard was with Stanford from 2006 through 2022, first as a player, then as a coach. He was a quarterback for Stanford 2006 through 2009, then was a coach for Stanford from 2010 through 2022, including being Stanford's offensive coordinator from 2018 through 2022. But perhaps Tavita can be doing his job better. Well, the better way to do fantasy sports is... Underdog Fantasy. Uh, underdog Fantasy is outstanding. It is the best and easiest place to play. Fantasy sports. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. And Underdog Fantasy is offering something special for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. If you sign up now with the promo code Galdi, my last name G A L D I, Galdi, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to five hundred dollars in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least ten dollars. So, in other words, if you deposit five hundred dollars, you get. $500 $500 for free. Free money. Uh, I, this NFL season, am making picks for Commanders games in terms of underdog fantasies, higher, lower totals for each game. Uh, here are my picks for Commanders Eagles. A higher, lower total for the Commanders that jumps out to me is the receiving yardage total for tight end Logan Thomas. 31 and a half. Logan has had at least 41 receiving yards in four of his six games this regular season. I'm going higher on him having 31 and a half receiving yards this Sunday afternoon and the higher lower total for receiving yards for Eagles receiver A.J. Brown (laughs) is 87 and a half. Uh, I do not expect to see corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr. on Brown like we saw Forbes on Brown in the Commanders 34-31 overtime loss at the Eagles in week four, but Brown having more than 87 and a half receiving yards this Sunday afternoon is more than doable, especially with the Commanders defense continuing to give up big plays. So Logan Thomas higher than 31 and a half receiving yards and A.J. Brown higher than then 87 and a half receiving yards. And all of this is through Underdog Fantasy. You can join me via a great deal. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $500 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So if you deposit $500, you get $500 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. There are many reasons to be excited by the commanders having new ownership. The number one reason is that the new ownership is not the old ownership. But the value of Josh Harris as commander's managing partner isn't just that he isn't the former lead owner of the team, Dan Snyder. The value of Josh Harris as commander's managing partner very much includes him being big on something that I've been big on for years and have talked about on radio and podcasts for years and that I know many of you are believers in. Analytics. Uh, Josh Harris, of course, is the managing partner of the Philadelphia 76ers and New Jersey Devils, in addition to being the managing partner of the Commanders. Josh's purchase of the 76ers was finalized in October 2011. The 76ers from May 2013 to April 2016 had Sam Hinkie as their president of basketball operations and general manager, embracing the process, a tanking strategy in which the Sixers embraced analytics in a way that few teams ever have. Uh, the Sixers, since November 2nd, 2020, have had the analytically inclined Daryl Morey as president of basketball operations. Josh Harris's purchase of the Devils was finalized in August 2013. The Devils, in April 2019, hired this guy, Tyler Dello as vice president of analytics off him having been a leading authority in NHL analytics for years, including founding the website mc79hockey.com, one of the first analytics-based blogs for hockey. Josh Harris is a believer in analytics. He understands the value of data and information, and rational and logical thinking. Remember his background. He graduated from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and then Harvard Business School. He made his fortune in private equity. He co-founded the firm Apollo Global Management in 1990. The Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders have never been considered a team at the forefront of analytics in the NFL. The teams that have been considered at the forefront of analytics in the NFL are the Philadelphia Eagles and the Baltimore Ravens. Look up how those teams have done over the last 15 years and compare how our team has done. Uh, I hope like heck that Josh Harris brings the commanders to the forefront of analytics in the NFL. And we on Thursday afternoon got what is hopefully step one of that happening. The commanders on Thursday afternoon announced the hiring of Eugene Shen, as the team's senior vice president of football strategy, he per a release from the team, quote, will oversee all analytics and software development for the football operation End quote, make no mistake. This is the beginning of Josh Harris putting his stamp on commander's football operations. The change has begun. This is great news if you're a Commanders fan like me. Now, is Eugene Shen brilliant? Is he going to make a bunch of outstanding moves? Does he rate well among NFL analytics people? Hard to say, but here's what I do know. He spent years working for the Ravens, who, like I said, have been considered a team at the forefront of analytics in the NFL. Shen got his start in the NFL with the Ravens, he worked for them. From August 2014 to May 2019, he rose to being the Ravens Director of Coaching Analytics. He worked closely with head coach John Harbaugh. Uh, Shen then worked as the Miami Dolphins Director of Personnel Analytics, this from June 2019 to May 2021. And Shen then worked for the Jacksonville Jaguars as their Vice President of Football Analytics this from May 2021 to July 2022 so Eugene Shen knows the NFL he's not a newbie to the league uh, he earned his bachelor's degree from Harvard in 1993 he received his MBA from MIT in 1998. So Harvard and MIT, not bad. Uh, The value of analytics in sports cannot be overstated. What analytics are and what they provide so often get misrepresented, okay? (laughs) Uh, Analytics help teams in so many ways. Drafting, player development, veteran player acquisitions, maximizing player performance, in-game strategy, player help. And understand that analytics aren't just about stats. An NFL team having a well-staffed and well-funded analytics department isn't about having people look up a bunch of stuff on Pro Football Focus, okay? (laughs) Like, no, there's a whole new world in sports analytics in the form of sports science. This player tracking data stuff from the NFL's next-gen stats is groundbreaking. The NFL teams that best make use of that data will have significant competitive advantages. This already is very much the case in Major League Baseball. The best teams at MLB in terms of analytics are those that best comprehend and interpret and make usage of the player tracking data that MLB teams are inundated with now. Having the data is one thing. What you do with that data is another. The teams that make the best usage of the data are the teams that are going to have the competitive advantages. Uh, This press release from the Commanders on Thursday afternoon announcing the hiring of Eugene Shen featured two quotes. The second quote was from Shen. The first quote was from head coach Rod Rivera. I got a kick out of that because Josh Harris hiring Eugene Shen certainly would seem to be a nail in the coffin on Ron as Commanders head coach. Ron is not an analytics guy, even though he does seem open to analytics and he does reference analytics The analytics, uh, as Ron likes to say, although, as I say, the way that Ron talks about analytics never conveys that he actually truly grasps what he's talking about. But Ron, in the press release, is quoted as saying, quote, Bringing Eugene's level of expertise to lead our analytics and software development enables us to build on our data capabilities to help inform decision-making. Eugene brings a great deal of practical NFL experience, and we look forward to bringing him into our conversations about the vision of our team going forward. The willingness of our ownership group to follow through on their pledge to allocate resources to data and analytics is exciting for the future of the franchise. End quote. Boy, that sounds just like something that Ron Rivera would say, (laughs) doesn't it? Raise your hand if you think that Ron actually said all of that. Uh, I didn't think so. But here's the bottom line. If you are a Commanders fan like me, the hiring of this guy Eugene Shen is a big deal and is a great thing. Just like the law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that is always ready to fight for you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Goldie sent you Paulson and Ace provides a passionate advocacy on behalf of injury victims designed to help them and their families move forward after the most difficult of times. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Uh, How about this? Two verdicts versus Merrill Dow totaling $132 million. Yeah, Paulson and Nace has taken on Big Pharma and won. Uh, Clifton versus Georgetown University Hospital, a $50 million verdict for a young mother injured during childbirth. Uh, Bradley versus the United States of America, Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government had to pay nearly $1.8 million. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government (laughs) and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think you've been wrong but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family.
2: Well, this episode
1: of the Al Galdi podcast is for Friday, October 27th. 2023. This is the nine-year anniversary of one of the most improbable wins in Washington history, the 2017 overtime win at the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football on October 27th, 2014. What I call the Colt-McCoy game. Uh, Colt McCoy starting at quarterback over an injured Robert Griffin III and over a benched Kirk Cousins was terrific as the Redskins won at a Cowboys team that had been playing really well. October twenty seventh, 2014, that was a fun night. We have not had nearly enough fun Washington game days over the last 30 years. What about our team's next game day. Week 8 of the 2023 NFL regular season gives us the 3-4 and four Commanders versus the 6-1 Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. Next segment, we'll talk Commanders defense. Right now, Commanders offense. Uh, it was on Thursday's show, episode 686, that we talked about head coach Rod Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon, having said that change for the Commanders offensive line could be coming. Ron was not specific about what change could be coming, but when asked about the possibility of Tyler Larson being installed as the starting center, Ron did not dismiss that possibility. And sure enough, guess who was snapping to the commander's starting quarterback, Sam Howell, during the portion of commander's practice on Thursday afternoon, open to reporters. Yes, you guessed him, Tyler Larson. Are we this Sunday afternoon going to see Tyler Larson start at center over a benched Nick Gates who did not play well in the 14-7 loss at the New York Giants last Sunday afternoon? And if we this Sunday afternoon, see Larson over Gates. What does that say about the signing of Gates is one of the big offseason moves to fix the offensive line. The commanders this past March signed Nick Gates as an unrestricted free agent to a three-year contract with $8 million fully guaranteed at signing. If he has lasted just seven regular season games as a team starting center, what does that say about this signing? Uh, now, also for the Commanders this past March was them re-signing Tyler Larson as an unrestricted free agent, although, as you may recall, the Commanders cut Larson. The Commanders on August 29th announced that they and their cut down to 53 had released Larson, but the Commanders on August 31st announced having signed Larson to the 53-man roster. Uh, Washington initially signed Larson in March 2021 as an unrestricted free agent. This is a stat that has gotten trotted out a lot. It's hard to know how meaningful this stat is, but (laughs) the Commanders in the 2022 regular season went a sparkling 6-1-1 in games that Larson started. Whether that is correlation or causation, hard to say. But that is the thing. Six, one, and one in games that Larson started in the 2022 regular season. But center may not be the only commander's offensive line position at which we have changed. Left guard Sadiq Charles is looking like he won't be playing on Sunday afternoon. He was listed as not practicing on Thursday afternoon. This off him being listed as not practicing on Wednesday afternoon. He and the loss at the Giants re-injured his problematic calf. If he can't play against the Eagles, the belief is that either Ricky Stromberg or Chris Paul will be the commander starting left guard. Also, right guard Samuel Cosme, uh, he was listed as a full participant for Thursday afternoon's practice. He was listed as a limited participant for Wednesday afternoon's practice due to a hip ailment. Receiver Curtis Samuel was listed as a limited participant for Thursday afternoon's practice. He was listed as not practicing on Wednesday afternoon due to a foot injury injury. And tight end Cole Turner was listed as a full participant for Thursday afternoon's practice. He was listed as a limited participant. For Wednesday afternoon's practice due to an ankle injury. For the Eagles, uh, corner Bradley Roby, he for Thursday was listed as not practicing for a second consecutive day. This due to a shoulder injury that had him inactive for the Eagles last game. The 31-17 win over the Miami Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. Three key Eagles defensive players were listed as limited participants for Thursday. Interior defensive lineman Jordan Davis due to a hamstring. Corner James Bradbury due to an ankle and linebacker Zach Cunningham due to an ankle. All three of those players were were not listed on the Eagles injury report for Wednesday. The Eagles on Wednesday conducted a walkthrough, so that's why their injury report for Thursday had some more players than Wednesday's injury report had. The Eagles defense is good. Uh, The Eagles for this regular season through week seven were number 10 in the NFL in total defense per DVOA. Uh, Meantime, Commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bien-Ami, a popular topic <laughs> these last few days. He on Thursday did a pre practice press conference that started shortly after 12 p.m. You can always email me, the Al Goldie podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jamie Houston writes Jamie, Al, don't play Eric enemy's long answers this week when he meets with the media. Nobody wants to hear his soliloquies to benign questions to which he says a thousand words and tells us nothing. We all see the results on the field. Pressure on the quarterback and the sack situation have not improved at all. And that's not all on Sam Howell at this point. A good offensive coordinator adjusts play calling for what we saw this past Sunday. And the failed to do so for too long. He's determined to run his plays no matter what the results on the field are. Uh, Thank you for the email, Jamie. Well, no worries, my friend. Uh, I will not be playing Eric Biennemi's long answers this week because he this week did not provide long answers. Eric Biennemi's Thursday pre-practice press conferences this season had routinely lasted for close to 20 minutes. Well, Eric's Thursday pre-practice presser this week lasted for about nine minutes. That was it. We on Thursday afternoon got an Eric Bieniemy who was short with his answers, who did not want to say much with his answers, and who appeared to be humbled by what happened in that loss at the Giants. A game in which the commander scored just seven points, went just one of 15 on third downs, and just one of three in the red zone, and allowed six sacks. Now, Eric on Thursday afternoon wasn't rude or mean or anything like that. And he did make it a point to call himself and his coaching staff out. Eric begins each Thursday pre-practice presser with a brief statement. Here was the statement and then the initial exchange, which was with Commander's Insider John Keim of ESPN.
3: Obviously, we're coming off a tough loss. Uh, I got to do a better job. Our coaching staff has got to be better. With that said, I'm all ears. So
0: along those lines, then, you know, there were a lot of talk. You know, did you guys adjust soon enough the other day? How would you respond? What did you think about that aspect?
3: I thought the adjustments that we made were good, but we just got to keep assessing what we're doing and making sure we're staying on track.
1: And that was it (laughs) for Eric Bietemi's first answer. I mean, he on Thursday afternoon was not talking. The most telling thing from Eric on Thursday afternoon came via his next answer. Here was that exchange with John Kime in its entirety.
0: With Sam and on all, obviously the sacks and all that, regardless of who's at fault, how much do you, when you're watching him and evaluating it, how much do you look at, like, are they affecting him physically, mentally, whatever, and what's your assessment there?
3: You know what? My assessment is always the same. You know, Sam is in the process where he's having an opportunity to start You know, on a weekly basis, uh, we're evaluating everything that he's doing, still seeing him making some improvements, certain things he's not improving upon, but we're going to keep assessing everything as we continue moving forward.
4: Do you see it
1: wearing him at
3: all? I see Sam competing and having fun.
1: So did what stuck out to me stand out to you? Eric the Enemy on Sam Howell, quote, still seeing him making some improvements, certain things he's not improving upon. End quote. Certain things he's not improving upon. I don't want to make too big of a deal out of that, but that is about as critical of Sam Howell as I can remember Eric Bieniemy being at one of these Thursday pre-practice press conferences. Certain things he's not improving upon. That seemed like something that Eric said, out of frustration, as in he's growing frustrated with Sam. Although Eric also said some good things about Sam right there. Uh, that is why I wanted to play the exchange in its entirety. Uh, more from Eric later in his press conference on Sam Howell. This exchange between Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC4 and Eric.
0: With Sam, I think it was maybe last month you talked about how you try to talk to him and make sure he's really... Ha- on board or excited about what the plan is that week when you get in game and you start making those adjustments considering how young he is is that more of a like a discussion or is that more of a all right man here's what we're going to do we got to change xyz it's
3: it's some of both you know you're always discussing because first and foremost he needs to feel comfortable if he's not comfortable it ain't worth us doing it so but that's just a part of the process that we do each and every week. I want to make sure there's an open line of communication. But on top of that, making sure that both of us are evaluating everything and not just doing, OK, what I feel is best or what he feel is best, but what is best for us as a unit. And that includes the entire coaching staff as well.
1: Well, as for the potential change for the Commander's offensive line and how the line played in the loss at the Giants, uh, we on Thursday afternoon had this back and forth between a good friend of this podcast, Commander's insider Ben Standig of The Athletic and Eric Biennemi.
4: Uh, Ron mentioned yesterday that you guys are at least considering some changes along the offensive line. Uh, what for you weather changes occur or not, what for you is something you're at least looking at to say, okay, this is where an area where maybe we need to consider something different?
3: Well, first of all, like I said, uh, I got to do a better job. Our coaching staff got to do a better job of making sure that our guys are mentally and physically prepared. Each and every week, we're always evaluating what we need to do. So, that's basically where we are.
4: Um, with regards to the sacks, we've talked a lot about Sam holding the ball, things like that. This game, it felt like the, uh, they were just getting there quick uh and it was he didn't have time to start to to react was there something different about this type of pass rush that that was a different complication for you guys than other weeks Uh, just like i said
3: first and foremost i got to make sure that we're getting ready okay second of all it's my job to make sure i'm making the necessary adjustments and doing all the little things that needs to be done uh to helping us to be at our best so we'll keep evaluating and we'll keep it moving forward
1: all right. So again, Eric enemy pointing the finger of blame at himself and his staff, but also saying nothing of substance regarding the questions that were asked. Eric on Thursday afternoon basically was a nicer, slightly more talkative version of New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, who, by the way, is the next head coach who the commanders will contend with. Uh, after this game against the Eagles. Commanders at the Pats on Sunday afternoon, November 5th at 1. I don't want to waste a bunch of time on these non-answer answers from Eric Bienemy on Thursday afternoon, so I just have one more Eric Biennemi cut for you. This exchange, a bit of an awkward exchange between J.P. Finley and Eric Bienemy on Thursday afternoon. Take a listen.
0: I'm curious, like the, the scripts, like 15-play script, whatever it is, when you, when you have the three and outs there, does it get trickier to stick with it, considering it's supposed to like build a drive, like in the New York game? I mean, it was 15 plays deep into the second quarter.
3: Yeah, you did a good job of evaluating that.
0: <laughs> but do you do you look to maybe get away from it sooner?
3: Let me just say this, okay, and I want to make sure I'm being plain and clear—not that I'm being rude. We always. First and foremost, I'm always assessing what we're doing, always evaluating what we're doing. At the end of the day, I just want to do what is best for us. Then you look at what needs to be done, you evaluate everything that has taken place, and you make the necessary adjustments from there.
1: Yeah, man. We on Thursday afternoon had a different Eric Bieniemy at the mic. Uh, perhaps due to frustration, perhaps due to anger, perhaps due to dismay, perhaps due to humility, as in he has been humbled, uh, perhaps due to all of these things. Here's what I know. Eric Bieniemy in the commander's loss at the Giants this past Sunday afternoon got outcoached by Giants defensive coordinator Don Wink-Martindale. And if Eric wants to be a head coach, Something like what happened this past Sunday afternoon at the Giants can't happen. Now, I do think that Eric Biennemi knows offense. I do think that Eric's a smart guy. I don't think that one game fundamentally changes how you should view Eric Biennemi. I don't all of a sudden look at him and think, oh, this guy's a buffoon. You know, he doesn't have a clue. All right. But last Sunday was a bad day for old EB. And he and his commander's offense need to be a lot better. Well, there's no catering service better. Then catering by Uptown. Uh, Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service. Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. From putting together and executing a menu, to picking linens, to selecting an excellent florist, Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you are having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit CateringByUptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Also know this, Catering by Uptown has job openings for the event waitstaff. No experience is necessary and you get paid in-house training. A great opportunity if you're looking for work. Visit CateringByUptown.com. Com. That's catering by Uptown.com, and make sure that you mention that Al Sencha. Five-star ratings and positive reviews of the podcast help us out a lot. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate. The podcast five star ratings are greatly appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long; it can be just a sentence or two. Uh, but thank you very much for doing the ratings and the reviews. We move now to talking Commanders defense in preparation for their game against the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at one. It is looking like linebacker Cody Barton will not play in this game. He for Thursday afternoon's practice was listed as not practicing for a second consecutive day. This due to the ankle Injury that he suffered in the 14 7 loss at the New York Giants this past Sunday afternoon. Commanders defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio on Thursday did a pre practice press conference that started shortly before 12 p.m. This was Jack on What Now for the Defense with Cody Barton likely out, and then you'll hear a follow up exchange with Commanders insider Ben Standing of The Athletic.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know what we have to do. What, What do we say? Next man up. I mean, that's what it has to be, right? So uh, for us, uh, Dave, Dave is the guy. He stepped in last week, played um, played pretty solid for us. And um, you know they're they're a little different in what they bring, but um, but Dave is is the guy that'll that'll play a little bit more.
4: I don't know if it's a state secret then, but if, with Cody out, does that mean David Mayo would have the, the green dot, or would it be somebody else like a Cam curl who's on the field basically every play?
5: Yeah, it'll be somebody else that's on the field every play. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Yeah, it'll be somebody else who's on the field every play. Hey, Ben Standing tried, all right? You can't say that he didn't try. The only other defensive player on the commander's active roster who was not a full participant in Thursday afternoon's practice was Corner Benjamin St. Juice due to a thigh issue. Uh, he was not listed on the commander's injury report for Wednesday. A full participant in both of the commander's practices so far this week has been interior defensive lineman Fidarian Mathis. The commanders on Wednesday morning announced that they had opened the 21-day practice window for Mathis. He has been on the reserve injured list since August 31st due to a cap injury uh, he was taken by the Commanders in the second round of the 2022 NFL Draft out of Alabama. He, for the Commanders, has played in one quarter of one regular season game. Uh, Mathis, in the team's win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field week one of last season, suffered a left knee injury. And that was it. He was done for the season. He was placed on the reserve injured list on September 12, 2022. But it's looking like Mathis could make his 2023 regular season debut This Sunday afternoon, Jack Del Rio on Thursday on Federian Mathis this Sunday afternoon, potentially making his 2023 regular season debut.
5: I'm all for it. You know, that's a coach is going to make that call. You know, we'll see how it works with the rest of the roster and those decisions that have to be made. But uh, we're excited to have him back at practice, back working. Uh, He's a big, strong man and uh, we'd love to be able to use him.
1: Well, as for the Eagles' offense, not a single offensive player has been listed on the Eagles' injury report so far this week. The Commanders' defense on Sunday afternoon, in facing the Eagles' offense, is facing one of the best offenses in the NFL. The Eagles, for this regular season through Week Seven, were number nine in the NFL in total offense per DVOA, and were number eleven in the NFL in yards per play. 5.49. 5.49. The Commanders, in their 34-31 overtime loss at the Eagles in Week 4, saw the Eagles generate 415 total net yards of offense, and average 6.19 yards per play. Quarterback Jalen Hurts, receivers A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and the Virginia product, Olamide Zacchaeus uh, tight end Dallas Goddard, uh, running backs DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell all are talented all can produce how about the Eagles offensive line if you go by the win rate metrics from ESPN based on player tracking data from the NFL's next-gen stats the Eagles for this regular season for week seven were number four in the NFL in pass block win rate and were number one in the NFL in run block win rate here was Jack Del Rio on Thursday on the Eagles offense
5: yeah I mean it starts up front they've got a a really strong, talented offensive line. Well coached. Um, they do a lot of things well. That's kind of where it all starts. You know, up front in the trenches. Uh, you know, they, they that's that's what allows them to run it, throw it, do all the things they do. So that's where it begins. I think uh, the addition of, you know, over the last couple of years, they add a A.J. Brown. You know, they... they they go out and they get the running back. I mean, you're talking about special players. So they've done a really good job putting together playmakers around Jalen, and Jalen's gotten better and better. And so um, they're, they're a very good offense.
1: Yes, they are. Uh, One of the things that has made the Eagles offense very good is the brotherly shove, the tush push, uh, the quarterback sneak play that is as reliable as any play in the NFL right now. This was Jack Del Rio on Thursday on if the commanders having already played the Eagles this season makes Jack's defense better prepared for the tush push. No,
5: no, I, I, I think... I think the combination of the line, the the quick center, the, the the quarterback with the you know thousand pound squat, whatever it is. I mean, you know, you add all these factors, they they add up. They do it better than, than anybody else in the league right now. That's just that's just what it is. Uh, we'll take our shot at it, but um, you know, we hope to keep them out of, out of those situations. You know, the less less uh, push tush or whatever the heck it is, the less of that that we line up against, the better.
1: That's right. I agree. The less Push-tush, the better. The push-tush. Why the heck not? Uh, What is going to happen with corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr. this Sunday afternoon? It was that Commander's overtime loss at the Eagles in Week 4 in which we first really saw the struggles of Forbes. Forbes in that game for pro football focus was targeted 13 times and gave up nine catches for 197 yards. Uh, Then came Forbes in the 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football in week five, being so bad that he got benched uh, the benching did end with him playing in the loss at the Giants this past Sunday afternoon. Although he barely played, he played on 7% of the commander's defensive snaps, a total of just five snaps. Jack Del Rio on Thursday on how Emmanuel Forbes did in his return, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's insider John Kime of ESPN.
5: He did okay. Yeah. He's he's working at it. I like the way he's, he's working. Uh, he's competing. And uh, that's, all, that's what we asked.
0: Was there anything different? about his play, even in the
5: limited action? Nothing, nothing, nothing to comment on.
1: All right. Well, the commander's best corner this season, to me, has been Kendall Fuller. Uh, Pro football focus grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Fuller's overall grade for PFF for this regular season is 81.2. Benjamin St. Juices is 74.2. Emmanuel Forbes is 37.8. Uh, Jack Del Rio on Thursday on Kendall Fuller.
5: I think he's just been really solid. He's a he's you know consummate pro. Um, he, he studies. He, he works hard. Um, you know we're, we're trying to play to his strengths, and um, you know he's had a, He's had a good start to the year.
1: Yes, he has. But Kendall Fuller also is set to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason. He is one of many significant Commanders players who are set to be unrestricted free agents this coming offseason. Others include Ed's defenders Montez Sweat and Chase Young. You know, we've spent a good bit of time discussing what the Commanders should and will do regarding the NFL trade deadline this Tuesday, October 31st, at 4 p.m. Eastern. But consider this: this Sunday afternoon's game against the Eagles could be Washington's final game with Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Kendall Fuller, and others. This game could mark the end for the Commanders' defense as currently constructed. Uh, but during Jack Del Rio's pre-practice press conference on Thursday, had the following exchanges involving Ben Standing and Jack and Commanders insider Nikki Jabala of the Washington Post, and Jack. Here you go.
4: As somebody who's been a head coach before, obviously it's trade deadline week, and people want to trade this, do that. How challenging is it to bring in players this point of the season and incorporate them? Even if they're good, to to, to maximize the scenario, if if you do want to bring somebody in.
5: Well, I think the best offer we had was a ham sandwich for me with no mustard. So we're going to pass on that. Um, no, I. It look that that that's a different. We didn't have that. When I played, so I never experienced it as a player. Um, As a coach, it's not something that I'm in charge of. Those kind of discussions are for other people. So, uh, you know, I don't have much to add to that. I did have a ham sandwich quote for you. I mean, I I I had something. Right, really good ham, honey baked ham. Do
4: you do you talk to the guys about that at all? I mean everybody sees what? what's, what's out there about the trading deadline and no. when they're
5: okay not a word about it really okay. everything's about the eagles everything's about you know s- staying together playing hard competing every day improving mm-hmm. you know it's it, we're we're 3 and 4 we're right in the middle of a pack of teams that are you know hunting for a wild card position at this point even though you know the the, the division is not out of the question but we're going to have to start winning a hell of a lot more than we have. Mm-hmm. But um, the bottom line is, you know, one, one week at a time in this business. You know, the NFL is, I mean, it, just look around the number of stories and then the next week how, how it changes. It's, it's a week-to-week league. We've just got to get ourselves ready to go compete.
1: All right, so Jack Del Rio either totally misunderstood the question from Ben Standig, or did not want to answer it. Uh, Did get that uh, ham sandwich bit in there, (laughs) but the point remains, this Sunday afternoon's game against the Eagles could mark the end of an era for Washington's defense. Now, (laughs) this may not be an era that is fondly remembered, uh, but it is an era nonetheless. Uh, Well, Jack Del Rio may not want to be very forthcoming with his answers at these Thursday press conferences, but I am sure that Jack can appreciate good skin care, OK, I mean, does Jack Dorio not come across like someone who appreciates good skincare? I mean, absolutely he does. <laughs> and while Jack's commander's defense has had a disappointing season, you will not be disappointed by Caldera Lab. Go to calderalab.com and use the promo code GALDI. Caldera Lab is the best in the skincare game. Join the 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best self. Plus, Caldera Lab makes for a great gift. Look, if you're a guy and you're like me, you don't know much about skincare. But Caldera Lab makes skincare for guys easy. The Caldera Lab regimen includes three products the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate is a face wash that starts and ends your day and leaves all skin types refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And the good is your go to multifunctional serum at night. That helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. One minute each morning and one minute each night. That's all that it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. You will be looking like a million bucks. And here's a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to calderalab.com. Caldera is spelled C-A-L. D-E-R-A, calderalab.com, and use the promo code GALDI, my last name, GALDI, G-A-L-D-I, and you get 20% off? Yeah, 20% off. Calderalab.com, promo code GALDI, 20% off. Show your best self or make an unforgettable impression with a great gift. Calderalab.com, promo code GALDI for 20% off. That's calderalab.com, promo code GALDI for 20% off. Well, Washington has been owned by the Philadelphia Eagles in recent years. Washington has lost 10 of its last 13 games against the Eagles, although one of the biggest wins for Washington with Ron Rivera as head coach was the win at the Eagles last season, the 32-21 win at the Eagles on Monday Night Football on November 14, 2022. The Commanders versus the Eagles at FedEx Field, this Sunday afternoon at 1 for great insight on the Eagles. I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, Jeffrey Knox, the editor of InsideTheEagles.com. Not InsideTheEagles.com, InsideTheEagles.com. I-G-G-L-E-S. <laughs> uh, you can follow Jeffrey on X at GQ underscore the number four underscore E-V-A. Jeffrey, nice to talk to you. How are you? I appreciate you taking time to invite
7: me, man. I'm great. I hope you are.
1: Yeah, doing well, better than uh, the Commanders are doing, but maybe not as well as your Eagles are doing. The Eagles last season won the NFC championship. I know that not everything has been perfect with the Eagles this season, but they, for this regular season, have the best record in the NFC 6-1. They're coming off a big 31-17 win over the Miami Dolphins on Sunday night football. Is this Eagles team better than last season's Eagles team?
7: Uh, they're not better right now. Um, there's some offensive inconsistency. Um, there may be some issues with Jalen Hurts as far as health is concerned. You know, we had in 2021, we had the ankle injury. And then in 2022, we had the uh, the AC joint injury with the shoulder. And now it looks like there's a knee injury. And um, this team's not going to go very far if we have to feel Marcus Mariota and ask him to suit up and play important games. Um, Jalen Hurts has been hurt before. Um, and we know this team isn't going, doesn't have a chance of getting back to the Super Bowl and actually winning it this time if he's not on the field but I am a little bit concerned that you know though we've talked about injuries on several occasions we haven't talked about injuries this early in the season um, as far as what we've seen from the defense I'm pretty satisfied with what we've seen from them so far Sean Desai looks like he has a potential to be a little bit better than um, Jonathan Gannon was uh, we saw the student in Sean Desai take the teacher Vic Spangio to school a little bit on Sunday and I was satisfied to see that. So seeing um, a high-powered Miami Dolphins defense be um, kind of held in check as best you can to some degree, keeping them under 250 yards and um, keeping them off the field as much as possible and keeping Tyree Hill, even though he scored a touchdown from going ham on you, is something to celebrate. Um, but we've seen areas where tight ends from other teams who are reasonably efficient can cause this team's trouble at the second level um it's hard to duplicate 70 sacks in a season under any circumstance but obviously that's taking a step backwards but um looks like Hassan Reddick after shedding the cast, looks like he may be a little bit better but um I'm worried about aging corners um James Bradbury is a physical guy but they play a lot of um very fast receivers and guys who can kind of um take advantage of his skill set or the things that he doesn't do well Darius Slay is human um, Darius Slay had a, a nice pick on Sunday after, on Sunday evening, but um, there are times when he can be taken advantage of as well. So with aging corners and not much after that, I'm kind of satisfied with the top half of the depth chart. To make a long story short, but that bottom half is where I see concerns, and um, I'm just hoping that they can um, hold serve. But I'm kind of concerned what I've seen from Brian Johnson as well. Um, there's there's long periods of offensive drives where we don't see much sustained success. And um, I'd like to see some better play calling, particularly in the red zone. Um, They did a much better job in the red zone on Sunday, but um, it's been a consistent issue all season. It's one that I need to correct if they're going to be, you know, seriously thinking about making deep playoffs runs this year.
1: Regarding this knee issue for Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, he in the second half of the win over the Dolphins had a brace on his left knee, but he has not been listed on either of the Eagles first two injury reports for this week. What do we know about this uh, Jalen Hurts left knee situation?
2: We don't know much. The Eagles are top secret
7: about everything. Um, <laughs> they won't tell us anything, um, but here's what we understand. Jalen Hurts played a the second half of the Miami Dolphins game in prime time, he played that with a leg brace on. Um, apparently, that was to sustain some issues he was having with his knee. I did notice on a scramble shortly before halftime, and on the play that he made to AJ Brown, which I think should have been given him given them six points just off style points, even though we know AJ Brown was short. Um, looked like there was some there was some discomfort on a the scramble there, and it looks like there was some discomfort in trying to buy enough time to get the ball to AJ on that particular. Um, fourth down play but um the second half was played with a brace on he apparently states that he wasn't injured during the game Nick Sirianni said during the recent press conference that he doesn't think that there'll be any physical limitations but you know nobody can guarantee that on like um on a Wednesday afternoon but um Jalen from what I would believe Probably felt some discomfort in the Los Angeles Rams game, even though I don't really have anything to verify that, just uh, just eyeball tests and things of that nature, which could have explained the poor performance against the New York Jets, but it wasn't an injury he sustained in week seven, could have been as early as week five, maybe week six.
1: Jalen Hurts overall is having a good season, but he has committed 10 turnovers, eight interceptions tied for the most in the NFL this regular season through week seven and two lost fumbles. Uh, Just some bad turnover luck, or has the play at times not been what it should be?
7: Players not been with it should have been times and probably some bad luck as well. Um, we could argue that during the past couple of weeks, there were some situations where um, altered throws based off some pressure could have caused some things. Um, if you want to be very specific about, you know, what happened and when during the New York Jets game there was a pass that Dallas got a normally hauls in nine times out of 10. This was just the one time out of ten that he didn't, it ricocheted into the hands of a just defender. Um, and when with with playing without your two starters on the right side of the line, the right side of the line didn't play well at all. Um, more than 10 pressures allowed. Um, the unfortunate thing was one of those pressures ended up with Jermaine Johnson making contact with Jalen Hurts, altering the flight of the ball and the just defender picking that one off. And, um, those things happen during the course of the game we understand, but Jalen has to be careful with the football. He fumbles a lot more often than we um, <laughs> we would like him to. Uh, case in point the Super Bowl. But um there was a bad looking fumble in Miami during the Miami game, um, during the most recent home game. And um Jalen just has to be smarter with the football, take better care of the football and things of that nature. But yeah, the uh, turnovers are cause for concern. And another reason why to answer one of your previous questions, I don't think we're ready to state that this Eagles team is as good as it was last year. We, um, they have the talent. They look good on paper, but, um, the other thing that I'm concerned about is if there are any issues or any major injuries at important spots. Again, the bottom half of the depth chart isn't nearly as strong as the top half.
1: The Eagles' offensive line rates as one of the best in the NFL per a variety of metrics. Is the line as good as the stats suggest?
7: Satisfied with the O-line. Jordan Mailata is better than most left tackles in the league, but he's a guy who didn't play football. (laughs) Hasn't played football for 10 years, and when he arrived in Philadelphia from Australia, he didn't know how to put his helmet on. But uh, Jeff Stoutman, one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL, if not the best, probably the best gift we were ever given by Chip Kelly. If not the only gift we were given by Chip Kelly, <laughs> but, uh, Jeff telling one of the best in the business. I trust him with guys. I trust him with development. Um, he tends not to want to, in case, in, in, in situations of injury, move two guys. He'd rather move one, but, um, I'm, again, this is one of those bottom half of the roster things. Sue Opetta looked decent in the Rams game in relief of the injured Cam Jerkins, second year player we have, um, who may eventually take over from Jason Kelsey, but, um, Sue Opetta, Versus that line, that Rams defensive line, P- pretty much, as you know, the only guy that you really have to worry about there consistently is Aaron Donald. Against more stout defensive lines and things of that nature, that's where the issues have come in, having to defend what the Jets have to offer and eventually what, you know, Washington will have to offer. Very scared about you guys' defensive line in the coming days. But um, Sua Opeta is a guy that you kind of want to have in a breaking break the glass in case of emergency type of scenario. Um, this team has never been as good with Lane Johnson as they are without him. Losing him early in the Jets game hurt, and uh, which led to Jack Driscoll stepping in and giving up the aforementioned pressure, i.e., sack that ended up being the Jalen Hurts interception that we just talked about. But uh, Jack Driscoll and Sue are, up- are serviceable, um, not necessarily starters in this league, but the best we have on that side of the line right now. Jason Kelsey is a legend, future Hall of Famer. Landon Dickerson is one of the best in the business. I trust Jordan Maylotta, but there are some issues on the right side of the line, and that's
2: what concerns me at the moment.
1: A.J. Brown destroyed the Commanders in the first game between these two teams this season, the 34-31 overtime loss for the Commanders at the Eagles in Week 4. Nine receptions for 175 yards and two touchdowns on 13 targets. Brown, For this regular season, through week seven, was number two in the NFL in receiving yards, 809 was number four in the NFL in receptions, 52, and was tied for number two in the NFL in receptions for at least 20 yards, 14. Is he the Eagles' best receiver since Terrell Owens in 2004 and 2005?
7: That's a good question. I would say Terrell Owens, yeah, possibly. As far as when you add up the entire skill set and things of that nature. Now, Meryl Reese is our, um, you know, radio broadcast and has been since before I was last seen a lot more Eagles football than we have. So I'm going to defer to Merrill on this. Merrill says the greatest wide receiver trio he ever saw was Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, and, uh, Jason Avant until now. <laughs> uh, Devontae Smith is amazing. AJ Brown is amazing. We were hoping for a little bit more from Quez Watkins. Quez has a tendency to show up bad. and. And look bad in like big spots when we need him to be good. But AJ Brown statistically looks like he can be the best ever to do it. Um, he had some decent success from Irving Fry. We don't have a huge history of great wide receivers, we don't have any art monks. We got him when he was at like, the end of his career, you
5: know. <laughs>
7: <laughs> <But> <laughs> we have, um, we have the potential to see a great career blossom here and uh the the, the brilliance of AJ Brown as he creates opportunities for other players and things of that nature but five consecutive games of 125 yards receiving or more um ties the NFL record um which I believe he'll, he'll probably break on this Sunday because the Eagles have a tendency to pay attention to that thing and make sure they happen but um yeah man he's got the best he got the skill set he's got the speed he's got the strength he's um He's got the work ethic and now he's got like a what the Eagles were missing. They have a veteran receiver, although a reserve in Julio Jones, that was kind of what they were missing in that uh, meeting room. So with, with having a future Hall of Famer in your ear and somebody that everybody in that room now looks up to, um, I think the sky's the limit for this unit.
1: Final question, and I asked this of another Eagles guy who I had on the podcast earlier this season, but the success of the Eagles in recent seasons is something from which I think the commanders can learn, especially with their new ownership in the Josh Harris group. The resurgence of the Eagles since the firing of Doug Peterson as head coach in January 2021, who deserves more credit for the resurgence, the Eagles executive vice president and general manager Howie Roseman or the Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni? I'm going to cheat a little bit, man. I'm
7: going to give them both equal credit. Um, Howie Roseman has done a good job of staffing his team and things of that nature. Um, the thing I love about Howie is he's done a great job of learning from his mistakes. Um, I don't know. I know Howie Roseman, and I have to say this humbly, will always be better his job than we are. You know, we tend to think that we can be general managers and coaches because we can play man real well. But um, Howie has learned from the mistakes and some of the staffing errors that he has made in the past, which... Kind of had Eagles fans who get times, maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't, can be impatient from time <laughs> to time.
1: <laughs>
7: but, um, I'm satisfied with the job he's doing. I'm very impressed with the job he's doing. And I'm at the point now where I don't understand why teams like New Orleans and Tennessee still answer the phone when he calls. But, um, he's just, he's just blossomed into, I believe, the best general manager in the league that we have in the game so far right now. And, um, Nick Siriani, Caught a lot of flag for some initial press conferences and some things that he made uh, a little socially and awkward at time and things of that nature. But somebody that his team loves playing for, like the, the guys rally behind him. He has a way of giving guys kicks in the tails when they need that, and placing his arm around them when they need that as well, and things of that nature. So, being able to ride that balance, um, I think he's done a great job. Um, actually, a better job than I expected him to. Um, there's some guys that were hired about the same time. Your Robert Sala's, your Brandon Staley's, who I actually would have rather had been Eagles coaches and things of that nature. And hindsight being 2020, I'm glad that we got the guy we got because I think he's the best of the bunch. Um, but one can't do their job without the other. Obviously, having a general manager who's as shrewd as how he is that can get you great players on the field is makes the job a whole lot easier for head coaches. And um, you can't do much with the talent if um, you don't have the coaching. So. I think it work hand-in-hand, and I think they've both done a great job, so I'm a cheat. I'm probably not going to sway one way or the other, but if you ask me this during certain points of the season and during certain
2: games, I'll probably change that.
1: I hear you on that. Uh, we here in the Washington, D.C. area do not like the Eagles, but we'd be crazy not to respect the heck out of what they've done these last few seasons. Jeffrey, uh, thanks for your time and all the best.
7: I appreciate you uh, taking time to have me on, man, and uh, you have a great day, all right?
1: You do the same. Great insight on the Eagles, courtesy of Jeffrey Knox, the editor of InsideTheEagles.com. And a great site for Commanders fans is BGObsession.com. If you are looking for an amazing Washington Commanders fan community, to be a part of, to placate your burgundy and gold obsession, make BGObsession.com your Washington football fan destination. BG Obsession, or BGO, has been the home of the most knowledgeable, friendly, and passionate Washington fans on the web since 2009. BGO is a special place in which you can join your fellow fans for some smart football discussion, great contests, game day chats, and even lifelong friendships. What are you waiting for? Visit and join BGO at bgobsession.com, home to your burgundy and gold obsession.
2: Well, for the second time in
1: this month of October, the Commanders are playing the Philadelphia Eagles. October 1st, a 34-31 overtime loss at the Eagles this Sunday afternoon, October 29th, a game against the Eagles at FedEx Field. Had one. Uh, the Commanders for this 2023 NFL regular season are 3 and 4 have the fourth worst point differential in the NFC minus 50. The Eagles for this regular season are an NFC best 6 and 1 have the third best point differential in the NFC plus 45. My friends, it is that time. The time to rhyme. It is time for rhyming keys, my keys to a Commanders victory in rhyming fashion. Now always know these rhymes are not meant to be good. They are not good, okay? They are terrible, in fact. Uh, the rhymes are only meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment. The saying is counterintuitive, but the saying makes sense when you really think about it. The worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so let's have a good time. Here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun. Arriving keys for a commander's win against the Eagles on Sunday afternoon. How do the Commanders win this game. <laughs> uh, we now rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one, this is for Commanders assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Enemy, and the entire Commanders offense. Do not let Nicholas Morrow lead to more sorrow. Commander's quarterback, Sam Howell, has been sacked at least four times in each of the team's seven games this regular season. He, in that overtime loss at the Eagles in Week 4, played well, but he got sacked five times in that game. Three of the sacks were by linebacker Nicholas Morrow. Those are his only three sacks this regular season. The purpose of this rhyming key isn't so much Morrow as it is the sacks. Uh, Sam Howell, the offensive line, the tight ends and running backs in terms of blocking, and getting open. The receivers in terms of getting open. Eric Viennemi with his play calling. All parties share in the blame for the commander sack problem, and all parties need to be better. The Eagles are quite good at getting sacks. If the commanders do not have a good pass protection plan and do not execute that plan well, then Sam Howell is going to get sacked another five, six, seven times. Who knows? Can the commanders do well enough to where their sacks allowed number for this game is say three or less? (laughs) I mean, is that possible? Okay. I mean, allowing three sacks in a game isn't some great feat, but that would be the best sacks allowed number for the commanders in a game this regular season. The sack problem is a massive problem, so much so that a guy like Nicholas Morrow, who is having a good season, can get his only three sacks of this regular season via facing the Commanders. <laughs> and so, rhyming key number one, this for Eric Bienemy and the entire Commander's offense, do not let Nicholas Morrow lead to more sorrow. Rhyming key for Commanders-Eagles number two. This is for defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and the entire Commanders defense. On third and long, you must be strong because lurking above is the brotherly shove. The Eagles for this regular season are 10 of 14 on four downs. The biggest reason why is the brotherly shove, the tush push. It has become a near automatic quarterback sneak play. For a first down, the Eagles in their last game, the 31-17 win over the Miami Dolphins on Sunday Night Football went four of four on fourth downs, three of the four fourth down plays were brotherly shoves, were tush pushes. Uh, Two of them came in the Eagles on territory on a fourth quarter drive with the Eagles nursing a 24-17 lead, fourth and one for the Eagles at their 26, fourth and one for the Eagles at their 37. Each play resulted in a two yard run by quarterback Jalen Hurts on a brotherly shove. I'd say that the commander's defense needs to stop the brotherly shove, but I don't know that there is stopping the brotherly shove. It may be essentially unstoppable. And so the commander's defense on Sunday afternoon, being good on third downs matters a lot, not only in terms of not allowing third down conversions, but also in terms of not giving up substantial yardage on a third down play to where it sets up a fourth and short. The commanders for this regular season through week seven were 15th out of 32 NFL teams in lowest opponents third down efficiency, 38.4. That's mediocre, you know, middle of the pack. But the commanders in their overtime loss at the Eagles in week four held the Eagles to just four of 12 on third downs. Also stopped the run, uh, held Eagles running backs DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell to combined 18 carries for just 70 yards. So that works out to a yards per carry of just 3.89. But the commanders in that game got it carved up by Jalen Hurts, who went 25-37 of for 319 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions, and had nine carries for 34 yards, although 24 of those yards came on one run, a fourth quarter, first and 10, 24-yard pistol play-action scramble. Uh, the Commanders on Sunday afternoon need to be stout on third downs because a Jalen Hurts eight-yard completion on a third and nine is as good as a first down completion. And so rhyming key number two, this for Jack Del Rio and the entire commander's defense. On third and long, you must be strong because lurking above is the brotherly shove. And rhyming key for commander's Eagles number three, this too is for the commander's defense. Make it so that Jalen Hurts continues to be struck by bad turnover luck. Jalen Hurts for this regular season through week seven was number eight among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in ESPN's total QBR. He is having a good season. However, he is committing turnovers. Jalen Hurts for this regular season through week seven had thrown an NFL worst tying eight interceptions. He has eight picks and two lost fumbles, 10 turnovers. Uh, Regarding the fumbles, consider this. If you go by the data on NFL.com, Jalen Hurts in each of the previous three regular seasons, 2020 through 2022, had nine fumbles, but just two lost fumbles. But he, this regular season, has two fumbles, both of which have been lost. Uh, The fumble luck has turned on Jalen Hurts. The turnover luck has turned on Jalen Hurts. Planning to get takeaways is not a sound defensive game plan because takeaways so often are random and flukish. But the commanders winning this game would seem to require them generating a takeaway or two or three. And Jalen Hurts this season, for whatever reason, has a turnover problem. And he also has this mysterious left knee situation. And so Ryman Key, Number three, this for the commander's defense. Make it so that Jalen Hurts continues to be struck by bad turnover luck. All right, (laughs) it is prediction time. The commanders for Crab Sports plus six and a half. The public, as expected, is heavily on the Eagles. The typical Washington with Ron Rivera as head coach thing to do is win, or at least play well in a game like this one. A game against a very good team with the game happening off Washington having suffered a bad loss. Just look at the Commanders' first game against the Eagles this season. That game came off the 37-3 loss to the Buffalo Bills at FedEx Field in Week 3, and yet the Commanders, in what ended up being their overtime loss at the Eagles in Week 4, did play a pretty good game. Two of the Commanders' last three games have been rough. Uh, Doubled up by the Chicago Bears' 40-20 at FedEx Field on Thursday night football in Week 5, ending the Bears' 14-game regular season losing streak, uh, beaten at the New York Giants 14-7 in Week 7, with the Giants coming into the game just 1-5 and five this regular season. But the Commanders winning, or at least playing well, against the Mighty Eagles this Sunday afternoon should shock no one. Uh, Now, what winning or what playing well would mean in the bigger picture? Totally different topic, okay? But we know the deal. We know the drill. And so give me the Commanders plus six and a half final score. (laughs) you ready for this? Commanders 30, Eagles 28. It makes no sense. And thus, it makes perfect sense. Uh, And if you are looking to get tickets to a Commanders game or a Capitals game or a Wizards game or whatever... Uh, download the Game Time app and use the promo code AlGaldi for twenty dollars off your first purchase. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the Game Time. GameTime offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee, so you don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. You see, the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price, because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, I was just on Game Time looking at tickets for Commander's games. A lot of good deals and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting super easy. Also, Game Time is the app for last minute ticket deals, you don't have to plan months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. GameTime also offers flash deals on tickets and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So you never have to dig through your email. GameTime is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with GameTime, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Download the GameTime app create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Download the GameTime app and use that promo code ALGALDI. GameTime, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Well, we move now to college football, and what a last eight days for college football in the Commonwealth of Virginia. James Madison, Virginia, Old Dominion, Liberty, and now Virginia Tech all winning over the last eight days. The Hokies, a blowout win on Thursday night, they improved to four and four overall and three and one in the ACC with a 38-10 win over Syracuse at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia, on Thursday night. Lane Stadium was on fire for this game. Legendary Hokies quarterback Mike Vick was in attendance. Uh, Tech has won three of its last four games. Yes, is benefiting from a soft portion in the schedule, but you know <laughs> the Hokies were part of other teams' soft portions of schedules. Tech has gone from a bad team to Now a more than respectable team. Head coach Brent Pry has the program moving in the right direction. The Hokies in this round of Syracuse led at the half 33. Tech's offense was outstanding. I tell you, Tech's offense really has gotten going. The Hokies on Thursday night generated 528 total net yards of offense, averaged 6.68 yards per play, went 8-16 on third downs, and won the time of possession battle by 23 minutes, 24 seconds. Uh, Brent Pry. Went with Baylor transfer Kyron Drones as a team starting quarterback for a sixth consecutive game as the Hokies QB1 to begin the season. Grant Wells has been dealing with an ankle injury, but at this point, how is Drones not the Hokies QB1. He on Thursday night was good again. Drones went 15 to 24 for 194 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. He took two sacks, but he had six carries for 65 yards when you take out the two sacks that he took. And also when you take out the two sacks that Kyron Drones took, the Hokies had 51 carries for 327 yards and a touchdown. Tech's rushing offense was awesome. Uh, running back in North Carolina A&T transfer, Bashall Tootin had 18 carries for 118 yards and a touchdown. Running back Malachi Thomas had 13 carries for 87 yards and had a 16-yard touchdown pass on a trick play. Everything <laughs> was going well. For the Hokies on Thursday night, Tech's defense on Thursday night was excellent. The Hokies held Syracuse to just 137 total net yards of offense, an average of just 3.19 yards per play and 0 of 9 on third downs. The Hokies totaled eight sacks, which led to Tech holding Syracuse to zero net rushing yards. Now, it is ridiculous that the NCAA counts sacks in terms of rushing yards, but the Hokies run defense had been a massive problem. And here we were on Thursday night with Tech allowing zero Net rushing yards, Uh, defensive lineman and Florida transfer Antoine Powell-Ryland Jr., APR as he is known, two more sacks, he now has six sacks over the last two games, Uh, the Hokies did lose safeties, Jalen Stroman and Jalen Jones to injury during the game, but still overall a great night. For Virginia Tech football. Heck, Hokey! special teams were very good on Thursday night. Kicker John Love, 5 of 5 on field goals. Receiver and punt returner Tucker Holloway had a 57 yard punt return. Uh, here was Brent Pry during his postgame press conference on Thursday night.
6: Uh, a good, you know, good performance by the, by the crew tonight coaches, players. Um, you know, I, I know you guys got tired of me talking about complimentary ball. But that's the goal, that's the team we need to be, and uh, I thought we did that tonight again. Uh, We built on that. We started fast, which was something we emphasized uh, this entire off period uh, with the team. We needed to do that against this group. The last couple games they've had, um, the team started fast. North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, and and we we knew that would be important. So, proud of the guys, a lot of good things tonight. I want to say that the the crowd was fantastic. If you're out there, the way we started that game and they were rattled, they had penalties, the crowd was a factor in how we started the game and in us starting fast. Uh, Just a big night all in all.
1: Yes, it was. Uh, And next up for Virginia Tech is a big game at number 18 Louisville, Saturday afternoon, November 4th at 3.30. All right, now to Goldilocks, my college football previews and picks for the teams of the Mid Atlantic region. You surely have heard of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Well, this is Goldilocks, and it is brought to us by Crab Sports. Crab Sports is Maryland's number one sports book. You can visit crabsports.com or download the new Crab Sports app, which is available in both the App Store and Google Play. Crab Sports is the only sports book that offers special boosts and parlays on all DMV area teams. In fact, if you go to CrabSports.com or are on the Crab Sports app between 5 p.m. Eastern Friday to 11 a.m. Eastern Saturday, you will see my Goldilocks picks in the boosted odds section. Yes, you get boosted odds with the Goldilocks selections, making it easier for you to to make money money. <laughs> and know this, Crab Sports is offering a $500 first bet insurance promo for new customers. Place your first bet of up to $500 and if it loses, Crab Sports will pay you back in a free bet so you have a second chance to win. A second chance to make money money. Uh join Crab Sports now with the promo code GALDI, G A L D I, my last name Galdi. So, crabsports.com or the Crab Sports app Promo code Galdi. And Crab Sports is working in partnership with a fellow Maryland homegrown business, the Green Turtle, uh, with its free-to-play game. Uh, you can win up to $25,000 three times per week, and the free-to-play game is completely free free to play. Just submit your picks for Thursday night football, Sunday football, and Monday night football. And depending on how many picks you get right, you will qualify for the $25,000 green turtle gift cards and crab sports free bets. Crab sports is awesome. And crab sports wants to remind you to please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER must be 21 years of age or older. So the premise of Goldilocks has been picking games for the big four of college football in the mid-Atlantic region, Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. However, I do have a rule. <laughs> if an FBS team in the region, not among those four, gets ranked or at the very least shows itself to be very good, it earns its way into Goldilocks. And such is the case for James Madison. And so uh, this week am welcoming the Dukes to Goldilocks for this season. Uh, no game for Navy. In this college football week nine, the midshipmen fell to three and four overall with a 17 six loss to then number 22 Air Force at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland, last Saturday afternoon. Next up for the Mids at Temple on Saturday afternoon, November 4th at two. All right, here we go. Goldilocks game number one, Maryland at Northwestern, Saturday at noon. Uh, the Terrapins for Crab Sports minus 13. And a half. The Terps are coming off a bye and are coming off two consecutive losses. October 7th, a 37-17 loss at then number four Ohio State. October 14th, a terrible 27-24 loss to Illinois at a rainy CQ stadium in College Park, Maryland, as the Terps in their homecoming game lost to an Illinois team that came into the game just a 2-4 overall and 0-3 in the Big Ten, Maryland for this game was a 13 and a half point favorite for multiple shops. The Terps blew a 14-7 second quarter lead in allowing Illinois to score 17 consecutive points. The Terps did tie the game at 24 late in the fourth quarter, but lost the game on a 43-yard field goal by Illinois kicker Caleb Griffin as time expired in the fourth quarter. So the Terps for this season are five and two overall and two and two in the Big Ten. The Northwestern Wildcats for this season are three and four overall and one and three in the Big Ten. Northwestern is not good. Northwestern barely beat Howard. Uh, We love Howard, but Howard is an FCS program, and yet Northwestern on October 7th at home defeated Howard by a final score of just 23 20. Northwestern lost the second half of that game 27. The question with this game for the Terps at Northwestern is which Maryland team is going to show up? Uh, The Terps team that got off to the 5-0 start, or the Terps team that has not been at its best the last two games, especially the Illinois game. Losing at Ohio State is understandable. Losing at home to Illinois is inexcusable. Uh, Terps quarterback Talia Loa needs to be better. He and that loss to Illinois had a very mixed game. uh, This off in the loss at Ohio State, having had a uh, rather bad game. Maryland has major problems (laughs) if it loses to Northwestern. Give me Maryland, minus 13 and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Thank you, Stoop Dog. Goldilocks game number two, number 25, James Madison, the newcomer to Goldilocks, uh, home to Old Dominion, Saturday night at eight. The Dukes per Crab Sports, minus 18 and a half. And the Dukes are ranked. Uh, They are number 25 in the Associated Press poll that came out last Sunday. Second consecutive October at which JMU is in an AP Top 25 poll. Although the Dukes in October 2022 off being ranked lost uh, a 45-38 loss at Georgia Southern on October 15th, 2022. The first of three consecutive losses for JMU off a 5-0 start to last season. Will this season's Dukes team handle success better? Uh, JMU improved to 7-0 overall, 4-0 in the Sunbelt Conference with a 29-win at Marshall. Now, two Thursday nights ago, October 19th, the Dukes led at the half 3-0. They then won the second half 17-9. The story of the game was JMU's defense, which held Marshall's offense to just seven points. The other two points came out of safety on JMU's offense, but JMU's defense held Marshall's offense to a yards per play of 2.73. That is a phenomenal yards per play allowed for defense in today's college football. And a big reason that the yards per play was so low, the Dukes totaled eight sacks, five of which were by defensive lineman Jalen Green, who tied the school record for sacks in a game. Jalen Green, a product of Our Lady of Good Counsel High School in Olney, Maryland. Uh, JMU for this season, as of games through Wednesday, was 17th in the FBS in defensive efficiency per ESPN. Uh, what might the Dukes defense do against an Old Dominion offense that is not good? Now, the ODU Monarchs have won two consecutive games. Uh, ODU improved a 4-3 and three overall and 3-1 and one in the Sunbelt Conference with a 28-21 win over Appalachian State at SB Ballard Stadium in Norfolk, Virginia last Saturday night. But ODU has chaos at quarterback. Uh, this all started in the second quarter of the Monarchs' a 10-9 home win over Texas A&M University Commerce on September twenty 23- third third when ODU head coach Ricky Ronnie benched starting quarterback Grant Wilson in favor of Jack Shields. Ronnie then started Shields at quarterback for each of ODU's next two games, but in the second quarter of the 17-13 win at Southern Miss on October 7th, benched Shields in favor of Wilson. So, For this win over Appalachian State, Ronnie started Wilson. He went 18-25 to for 188 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions, but he took five sacks. ODU's quarterbacks this season have taken a ton of sacks, so there has been this instability for Old Dominion at quarterback. Uh, Meantime, James Madison's QB1, Jordan McLeod, he for this season, as of games through Wednesday, was 16th. Among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in ESPN's total QBR. By the way, Liberty quarterback Caden Salter was 15th. Uh, and also, by the way, ODU's rushing offense in that win over Appalachian State was really good. Running backs Kadarius Calloway and Keyshawn Wicks combined for 25 carries for 186 yards and two touchdowns, uh, both of which were by Wicks. Uh, this game for JMU against ODU is JMU's homecoming game. Will this season's Dukes team handle being ranked better than last season's team did? I say yes. Give me James Madison minus 18 and a half.
2: Make money, money, make money, money, money.
1: And Goldilocks game number three, Virginia at Miami. Saturday afternoon at 3:30. The Cavaliers for Crab Sports plus 18. And a half. Boy, is that line interesting. Uh, the Cavs are coming off a signature win with Tony Elliott as head coach. They improved to two and five overall and one and two in the ACC with a stunning, a shocking 31-27 win at then number 10, North Carolina. Last Saturday evening, Virginia for this game was a 24 point underdog in multiple shops. The win was Virginia's first win ever in a road game against a team ranked in the top 10 of an Associated Press top 25 poll. Virginia came into this game 0 and 30 all time in road games against AP top 10 teams. Heck, this was Virginia's first win over an AP top 10 team, period. Since October 2005, uh, the Wahoos' rushing offense in this game was so good. When you take out quarterback Tony Musket's game-ending deal down and the two sacks that he took, the Whos had 51 carries, for 240 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Who's running back Mike Hollins, 15 carries for 66 yards and three touchdowns. He did have a killer fumble, uh, a fumble that went out of the end zone for a touchback with the Who's nursing a 31-27 lead with less than five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, But Who's running back Paris Jones had 14 carries for 67 yards. The Miami Hurricanes are five and two overall, one and two in the ACC. They're coming off a 28 20 Double overtime home win over Clemson last Saturday night. The Canes won that game despite their starting quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, being out due to injury. But he is expected to play in this game against Virginia, which is plus 18 and a half coming off that big win at Carolina. Hmm. Uh, the public, not surprisingly, is all over UVA for this game, the line is begging you to take UVA. Do not take UVA. When the Las Vegas odds makers want you to go one way, that is when you go the opposite way. Give me Miami, minus 18 and a half.
2: Make money, money, make money, money, money.
1: All right. So the rest of your Goldilocks for college football week nine, three favorites laying some heavy lumber, no doubt. Uh, Maryland minus 13 and a half. James Madison minus 18 and a half. And Miami minus 18 and a half. And do not forget, go to crabsports.com or download the Crab Sports app and use the promo code GALDI. Crab Sports is offering a $500 first bet insurance promo for new customers. Place your first bet of up to $500 and if it loses, Crab Sports will pay you back in a free bet. So you have a second chance to win, a second chance to make money money. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 688. We'll have a lot for you. On the commander's in-depth reaction to and analysis of whatever happens in their game against the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. Also on Monday show, my thoughts on college football week nine, which includes Maryland at Northwestern, Saturday at noon. Number 25, James Madison, home to Old Dominion, Saturday night at 8. And Virginia, At Miami Saturday afternoon at 3 30. And on Monday's show, we'll talk Capitals and Wizards. Uh, Two games for the Caps this weekend, home to the Minnesota Wild Friday night at 7, and home to the San Jose Sharks Sunday evening at 5. The Wizards have one game this weekend, their regular season home opener, home to the Memphis Grizzlies Saturday night at 8. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday.
5: So, the less less uh, push tush or whatever the heck it is, the less of that that we line up against, the better.